Welcome to the MBG Podcast. Let's fire everybody. Episode number 60, the Message Board Geniuses Podcast. This is Who's. I got Casey, Joy, MBG. College football season is over, so I have lots of good college football content for you today. But we thought we'd change things up a bit and kick things off with a little NFL talk. Conference championship games are set for next weekend. Ravens favored by three and a half against the Chiefs. 49ers minus seven against the Lions. Who are y'all rooting for this weekend? Everyone's rooting for the Lions, right? Yeah, absolutely. For sure. The well, entire country is cheering for the Lions. Except who's who's isn't rooting for the Lions? Well, no, I'm I'm rooting for them to be. Are you rooting for them in that game, but not for the whole thing? Yeah. And so, quite honestly, I think people, most of the country, is rooting for the Ravens too. I think people are tired of Kansas City. No, not a not an MBG. Okay. Yeah. Even I, as a Broncos I, fan. Well, that's just it. I hate to do this to who's, but for some reason, I still can't get over Joe Flacco throwing that uh, uh, beat, uh, throwing that bomb and beating the Broncos in the playoffs. Well, what year was that, who's? You probably remember. That was the 2012 playoffs. I can't remember if that game was December or January of 2013, but yes, I, the Malahan Miracle. <laughs> I have an irrational hatred for Joe Flacco and the Ravens. I can't explain it to you. I don't know where it started, probably then. but I think it started um, right then. <laughs> it, it hasn't dissipated. And I like Lamar Jackson. I don't have any problem with anybody that plays for the Ravens. But when I see that logo, for some reason, I just I can't do it. So I'm going to cheer for the Chiefs and, and Taylor Swift. Who doesn't want to see Taylor Swift at the Super Bowl? To, see watch more, to watch more grown men whining about the camera showing Taylor Swift in the press box. We'd have some message board posts about that, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm not a Swifty. I don't mind Taylor Swift. I don't love her. I don't I am. hate her. That's great for you, Casey. You can take that up with three or Letterman later. But I am just like the Swifties already take over every aspect of life. They're all over social media. They're everywhere you go. You cannot escape them. And so, the one place that I always thought was safe was football. And now that's not safe anymore. And anytime the Chiefs do anything, they pan up to the suite where she's sitting in. I'm like, what does she have to do with the fact that some other random guy that's not even Travis Kelsey just scored? Like, why is this important? And I'm just I'm I'm sick of hearing about not football related things every time I watch any game involving the Chiefs. So I I'm- did like how uh, his brother Travis Kelsey, Jason Kelsey, was up there without his shirt this weekend, kind of yeah. take it. Yeah. You know, I mean, in my mind, it was him with a fu to the fans. This is what I want. I want the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. I want the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl and Roger Goodell present the trophy to Taylor Swift. That's what I want. (laughs) Have have y'all seen any of the memes, uh, Taylor? Because the Ravens Stadium is like half a mile from my house. And so I'm all about the content. There have been a ton of memes of her, like, you know, visiting Baltimore. Like there's one. Somebody photoshopped her into uh, like on the block, which is where all the strip clubs in Baltimore are. <laughs> and then there's another. My favorite though is somebody put her head on a gif of uh, Omar from The Wire. Like, <laughs> it's awesome. So, yeah, I'm I'm all for the Taylor Swift content. I think it's hilarious. Obviously, I'm rooting for the Ravens. I mean, they're my hometown team. Two UVA guys on the Ravens, so that you know makes it even better for me. And then uh, my buddy Brian from college is a lifelong Lions fan. He's my year younger than me. The guy has seen one, well, before this year, one Lions playoff victory <laughs> in his life. So, yeah, Ravens-Lions Super Bowl I think would be super fun. I, I didn't understand. You said Brian, like the normal name. Is that a nickname? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, It's funny. I don't think he has a nickname. I should have just made no? one up before yeah. he came on. The last Lions playoff victory, was that Rodney Pete or Eric Kramer? I can't. I know Herman Moore was on that team. I think it was like 92, I want to say. I don't know if that was Kramer. Or, I'm not sure. But it was, that might have been Eric Kramer. 
We do have a researcher on the show, but she's a little under the weather tonight. So, <laughs> and she doesn't care about this either. <laughs> so I, let's just I, let's I, go I, ahead and say it was Eric Kramer. We'll just go ahead and say it was all right. Eric there Kramer. you go. That'll work. Yeah. I hope the Lions win. That's all the energy I got. Go Lions. Woo, Rodney Pete. <laughs> all right. So. Next up, we have our mailbag question. This week's question comes to us from friend of the podcast, Evan Grimes, whose Twitter handle is at fear the underscore G. Also, fun fact, he happens to be the godfather to Chris Marler's dog, Pepper. So just until Marler, I would give him a shout out for that. That is so Marler. That is so (laughs) Marler to have a godfather for a freaking dog. (laughs) It's the most Marler thing ever, actually. (laughs) But congrats, Evan. (laughs) <laughs> so Evan's question is, and we've actually gotten this question a lot in group chats and things like that. His question is, how did you guys find each other and what made you think you might want to do a podcast together? So who wants to take the first crack at this one? Well, it all started on christianmingle.com. <laughs> <laughs> That's Casey, where I found don't fall who's out like that. <laughs> The idea of me being on Christian Mingle is hilarious, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> no, I think I'll, I'll, you know me, I'm always first, right? Because I got to steal the thunder here. I think it all started really on Twitter, I think. And we got, I, I'll tell you my side of the story. We got thrust into a group chat and I had no idea there were group chats. Like I was so new to Twitter. I had a podcast, another podcast that I was doing that was Clemson centric. And all of a sudden, I'm in this other new group with all these weird people from all over, and I'm being nice to South Carolina fans. It was really kind of odd. And I think it just extended from there. I think we just started talking about things. I was helping on another podcast out there, and and I think uh, I think I, I think MBG reached out and was like, "Hey, can you help me too?" And I wasn't supposed to be on this thing, so. Well, that's the I'm funny part, right? So. Yeah, I did a little timeline. So MBG and Casey and I met in either 2020 or 2021. And then we started talking about doing a podcast. I can't remember how it came up, but I know we started doing weekly meetings to develop it in December of 2021. And we started the podcast account in January of 22. And Casey, you were just going to be the producer. Like we did all kinds of weird iterations, but first you were just going to produce it. Then we had, a for a while, I don't know if you remember this, we were going to do a thing where you were going to read the message board posts, and then the rest of us were going to discuss them. And so we spent months developing it. And then we, I don't know if you all remember this too, we did like five dry runs oh, before yeah. we released one because they were so bad. We're like, oh, that was shit. Like we, we, can't, <laughs> we can't release that. So we did, we did a bunch of di- uh, different iterations of it, a bunch of dry runs, and then I guess, was it last October, finally, when we, October of 2023? Is that right? No. Sounds, no. What, no. It was before October. Episodes. It was before October. Was it the year before? I don't know. I, the timeline's all screwed up. But we did, but we spent probably nine months or so, like, developing it before we, well, maybe it was October of 2022. Maybe that's and this is what we got, ladies and yeah. gentlemen. Yeah, it was 2022. <laughs> there you go. Okay, let's, uh, so yeah. and then let's we, not and then, forget the, the major caveat in the whole story. Like, somewhere uh, Joy joined in at some point. Right. Oh, well, that was that, all you, MBG. Is that how that works, MBG? So <laughs> I well, we wanted like, a female voice. Thank yeah. you, Casey. Yeah. So um, I randomly one day got this follow on TikTok, which... If you know me, I'm. Um, I know this isn't videoed, but I'm actually the youngest person on the podcast. Contrary, what? I believe I know, I know. <laughs> and I do have a TikTok account that's solely dedicated to college football. So one day I get this TikTok follow from Board Geniuses, and I'm like, "What even is this?" And then I was like, "Wait, I think I've seen this on Twitter." So I go to Twitter, and I also had a follow on Twitter from that same account. Stalker. Uh, I know, stalker. And then I checked my DMs and it was like, hey, we're putting together a podcast. Would you be interested? And I was like, sure. And I had to go through an interview process. MBG, <laughs> oh, MBG, it was so hard, right? Yeah. So hard. MBG, <laughs> MBG was like, let's let's have a call. And so I got on this car. I remember being so nervous and 
MVP answers the FaceTime. He's like in his car, like not even like it's not it's not serious at all. And then he's like, okay, well, we're going to have one more call. I need you to meet the other guys. And then no one warned me that who's was a pirate. So like I log on and I'm like, who are these guys? Then I find out that I'm the only SEC person in the chat. I'm like, this is a recipe for disaster. But my favorite part of the whole story is that MBG was on TikTok to find me. Like that, <laughs> this all started. And so, that, for anyone that tries to think MBG's not up with the times, he found me via TikTok. That may have been my only day on TikTok. <laughs> but it was your best day on TikTok because you That's found right. me. I mean, imagine had you never found me, who would y'all make fun of? Who would you argue with? Who would bring it back to football? That's a fair point. Well, I remember we were looking for someone and all of us were lost about how to even start. And I think MBG even said, well, you know, I'll, I'll look around TikTok. And I was like, oh, I don't even have that on my phone. So. <laughs> and here we are. Yeah. Yeah. So it was October 2022. So, yeah, we've been going at it for, I mean, I guess 15, 16 months we've been releasing them. And, uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. So that is that's our origin weeks. story. This is the refined product right here. Casey, it's very weird to think about you not being part of the show, too. Like, that was, you know, finding joy and then bringing you into the show. That obviously well, was something about my voice we that we I was going to read, you know, and kind of be like the, the God voice, you know. Right. I cannot imagine how much worse my mental health would be if Casey was on this podcast. Because <laughs> he's the I would have been here, but like, I just wouldn't have been. Yeah. I would, it would just been beat up on Joy every week, week after week. I feel like I'm nice to you, Joy. Damn. Who's we've, who's, we've come a long way, but our first, our, first, our first two months, we were battling almost every almost every episode. That's our story. Thanks for the question, Evan. All right. That brings us to our next segment, Genius of the Week. As always, each of us is going to nominate a player, coach, team, conference, someone who did something dumb in the last week. We'll put it to a Twitter vote and see who wins. For our last vote, my nominee, the Chicago Bulls fans, won with 38% of the vote. Wow. It's a close one uh, this week, followed by Joy's nominee, ESPN, with 30%. Casey's nominee, Cam Ward, came in third with 25%. And MBG's nominee, Samuel Payrot, Payro, came in fourth with 7%. So that's the closest one we've had in a while. It was a, a three-way race there. So I'm in the lead with 21 wins, followed by Joy with 12, Casey with 10, Courtney with one, MBG with zero. MBG, you're now 0 and 44. I had another good reference this week. So the last two weeks have been a little bit easier. For reference, in 1988, the Columbia Lions broke a 44-game losing streak, knocking off Princeton 16 to 13. The 5,000 fans in attendance rushed the field, tore down both goalposts, took them back to campus by train. And according to the school paper, uh, one student compared the win to, close your ears, Joy, quote, an orgasm you've been waiting to have for five years, while another student jumped up and down excitedly and yelled, let's sacrifice a pig. So big win for the Columbia Lions. And once again, MBG, you're in fine company. We'll sacrifice a pig when I win. (laughs) (laughs) I'll donate the pig. (laughs) If we did that... During the podcast, that would be elite content, MBG. <laughs> All right, Casey, who are you going with this week? Uh, this week, my genius of the week may have two meanings. Usually we're picking someone that does the dumbest thing of the week, but my genius has me feeling extremely jealous. So the, I'm going with Cam McCormick. I'm not sure you guys know this, but apparently you can play college football for nine years, and Cam is case in point of this amazing feat. He spent the first <coughs> seven years of his college career at Oregon, compiling an impressive four, count them four, season-ending injuries. He's had at least six surgeries because of those injuries, and he just announced the other day that he was transferring to play his ninth season of college football at the University of Miami. To put into perspective, the first pass he caught in college was thrown by Justin Herbert, whom next season will be his fifth season in the NFL. Cam, my buddy, I'm jealous as as heck of your nine years in college, but at some point you may want to get a job, and some of the ladies around campus are starting to call you Gramps because you're not much younger than who's at this point. Cam McCormick is my genius of the week. 
Don't do it, Cam. Stay in school as long yeah, as you can. He's living the I'm life. I'm so jealous. I'm so jealous. <laughs> Wait, wasn't there a post about like Jalen Milrow not playing well because he needed insurance or something like that? Like he was having to go. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that Cam doesn't have those distractions. Cam is not distracted <laughs> at all. All right, Joy, who are you going with this week? My genius of the week is Tristan Thompson. It was announced today mm-hmm. that he is suspended 25 games for using peds, performance-enhancing drugs. Um, the reason that this is so funny is because Tristan Thompson averages three points a game and five minutes of play per game. In the night that Tristan Thompson was tested for peds, he had four points, five rebounds, and one block. So he's taking performance-enhancing drugs and yet is not performing at an enhanced level. And so for that, he is my <laughs> genius of the week. That's, that's, a, that's a solid one. I was jealous that you pulled that one. So you read the story and didn't even think about uh, picking him. I was, uh, I'm was. i not even going to lie to y'all. It was like noon, and I was like, I don't know who my genius of the week is. Like, I'm going to be equal with MBG this week because it's going to say whoever Joy picked because I was going to have to pick someone randomly. <laughs> and then Tristan Thompson just really came through with the layup. So he maybe did score an extra point today, but it was for me and not on the court. All right, MBG, is this the week? Well, I think so. It should be. <laughs> Got to be Tristan. Well, do you, are you guys runners? You guys run at all? Look at me. <laughs> no, do I look like I run, MBG? <laughs> Actually, I started at a new gym, and we have to run every day. So, yeah, I guess I kind of am. I've done nice. cuts to 5K, a, a record, a Guinness Book record, seven times. Well, last, last week we talked about how stupid reading was. And I think <laughs> – look – I think that running is even more stupid than reading. So everything I do is just stupid at this point. <laughs> well, I mean, look, I mean, look, Joy, I'm just saying, nobody likes running, right? Especially a marathon. You, you get these people saying running marathons is fun and cool, like 26 miles. Like, I have a car. I don't need to run miles. <laughs> but for some reason, some people think running is cool. Some people think reading is cool. I don't know nerds but anyways i digress (laughs) right so my genius of the week this week is the shaman marathon committee who run a marathon in china and here's why i found this article says being in good enough shape to complete a full 26.2 mile marathon at 52 years old is impressive to do so while chain smoking the entire race is downright insane. That's what a man named Uncle Chin did during the Shaman Marathon in China earlier this year. But apparently all his effort is for naught. He has been disqualified. What? Reportedly, smoking on the track was a reason for disqualification. There's pictures here. This 52-year-old dude runs a marathon with a heater in his mouth, smoking the entire <laughs> way. 26.2 miles, Uncle Chen. So you would think that certainly wouldn't give you a competitive advantage. But apparently, the Shaman Marathon Committee found that smoking while you were running was against the rules, and they disqualified Uncle Chen uh, from the marathon. And so for disqualifying a guy, that's like disqualifying a guy for running with just one leg, right? <laughs> but whatever, right? So the Shaman Marathon Committee is my genius of the week for a disqualifying Uncle Chen. I thought this was America, by God. (laughs) Technically, it was China, Casey. So, (laughs) I mean, I guarantee America would let Uncle Chen run a marathon and smoke. I guarantee. But China, I mean... That's why... Every week I try to set up MBG and I got it. <laughs> All right. So uh, I had a tough week this week, but I, I came up with one kind of at the last minute, like joy. So my genius of the week is the Barstool Longhorn account. Uh, this morning, the University of Georgia Athletics Twitter account sent a tweet announcing that Uga 10, the Bulldog who served as their mascot from 2015 to 2022, had passed away. While most college football fans pass along their condolences, the Barstool Longhorn account decided to quote tweet the death announcement with a video from the 2000, I think it was a 2019 Sugar Bowl, when Bevo tried to trample 
Ugga with the caption, not even puppies are safe. They followed that up with a tweet that said, zero apologies or something to that effect. As you can imagine, this elicited literally thousands of angry responses and quote tweets from college football fans, many of whom pointed out that just a few days ago, Texas basketball coach Rodney Terry got his underpants in a bunch about, I think it was they played UCF and UCF beat them and your UCF players in the handshake line doing horns down and Rodney Terry got all in his feelings and was complaining about that. But apparently, you know, quote tweets about a dead dog are acceptable. Tweet also pissed off a lot of Texas fans, many of whom unfollowed the Barstool Longhorns account. Also, it appears that their No Apologies tour ended after only half a day because they deleted the tweet right before we started recording tonight. So for angering the entire college football world and being softer than baby when people complain, the Barstool Longhorn account is my genius of the week. And let me... The caveat is we have a lot of great Texas fan friends. This is not directed at them. This is specifically directed at that stupid account. And most of the Longhorn fans are just pissed off as well. So, Weren't – and y'all correct me if I'm wrong because I very well could be. But You're wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> when did MBG go it's full bill on good. Joy? By oh, the way? No. I mean, hot damn. <laughs> What were you saying, Joy? Like, I'm, a nerd, I'm a reader. I'm a runner. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, was it like? Didn't a Longhorn end up dead on Texas's campus this year? And they like? I think it was Texas Tech. That was Oklahoma State. Same before thing before the Big Twelve championship game. Yeah, but, but it, Texas but they, fans lost their minds though. Right, like they freaked out over, and that wasn't even your mascot. Like it right. was just a Longhorn. So like. I don't know. We're, y'all were just literally in a very similar position. Like, why on earth would you act like that? But, you know, for a school that claims to be very smart, they don't always act like it. It's just crazy to me. They delete. Like, you don't say zero apologies and, and then yeah, delete. If, you're gonna, if we're going to follow up a tweet and say zero apologies will be issued, you better have the balls to keep the tweet up. Yeah, that was so soft. So, But I, that might be a Texas thing because Billy Lucci deletes his tweets, too. He doesn't like other people say I, uh, remind me to never get on your bad side, Joy. Because it's like what I—it's like I tweeted earlier on. Uh, I think it was yesterday, and y'all were all included in the tweet. I said I'm really thankful for the friends I've made on this app, mainly because I would be absolutely terrified to have them as enemies. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> also, that, I'm glad you feel the same way about me. <laughs> Amen. All right. Before we move on to our next segment, we want to give a quick shout out to CFB Home for sponsoring the MBG podcast. You can find them on Twitter at CFB Home and online at fifthquarter.net. Also, we're doing a couple of cross promotions again with other podcasts this week. First is with the Sickos Committee podcast. They had a new episode drop today titled Time Cop, in which they discuss classic Sickos content, including the Alan Parsons Project, the college football coaching carousel, the vaunted 2024 Vandy offense, the demise of Sports Illustrated, and much more. We're also doing a cross-promotion with the Slander You podcast. They don't have a new episode for us to promote this week, so go back and listen to some of their old <laughs> with a both of those shows, so check them out. All right, y'all, we have another great guest lined up for you this week. This week's guest is one of the best college football writers and analysts around. He's written for a number of publications, including Sports Illustrated and The Athletic currently covers college football for On3 Sports, where he also hosts a wildly popular podcast. Welcome to the show, Andy Staples. Woo-hoo. Wildly popular. Yeah, man. <laughs> I like the adjectives on this show. I'm an English major. <laughs> well, the so, adverbs yeah. and the adjectives. Yeah. <laughs> That's weird. I, I, I used word. to be a writer, so. <laughs> oh, we know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so when we have guests on, uh, usually we start off by going around the horn, have each of us ask you a question, and just let you cook. Does that work? That works for me. No, I I am ready because uh, you guys are probably my favorite Twitter feed, and it's weird since I started working on at On3 because I'm not sure what I'm allowed to retweet and what I'm not. Like when I was at The Athletic, I just retweet you all the time, and I'm like, wait. Am I going to get in trouble because this is an on three network site? Or am I going to get in trouble because this is not an on three network site? Fair, fair points. I wonder the same. 
All right, so Andy, I'll warn you, Casey's up first, and just uh, strap in because his questions tend to meander. So. Casey is rubbing his hands together like this. Is, <laughs> like, crack the knuckles first, Casey. <laughs> this is my shtick here, Andy. Andy freaking Staples, holy crap. At some point, I'm going to have to ask someone to pinch myself as we've had some unbelievable guests willing to come on and listen to my long-winded first question. And now we have you, Mr. Andy Staples. An Hold on, let me start legend. the clock here. Yeah, yeah. I, I timed myself before. I'm not kidding. And it was a minute and 13 seconds. So just strap in. I um, talked to a journalism class a few months ago, and, and a kid was reading his first question to me. And I'm like, let me stop you right there. Never do that in a press conference. Absolutely not. You can't do that. Can you tell I'm reading? All right. Anyway, um, currently with On3, having been with the Athletic Sports Illustrated, among a few others, as well as your daily podcast, as who's uh, mentioned, the Andy Staple Show. Good Lord. Thanks again for uh, joining us. I did what I do nearly every week when we have a guest on and did some deep research to get my thoughts together so I can eat cool. up most of your time by listening to myself talk. Uh, so the, this, a, is the, this is the Will Much Champ at Media Days. <laughs> <no buzzer. laughs> I love it. <laughs> Uh, so I'm a huge fan of yours and grew up with when Sports Illustrated was the pinnacle of sports writings. But I wanted to learn more about you. So naturally, I immediately went to my go-to well-vetted resources, Wikipedia. And my search <laughs> brought me to one. Wikipedia. Well, here, uh, you do. Well, maybe you do. It, I, it brought me to one Andrew <laughs> Staples. And the first thing I saw was that Andrew was born in 1979. So I immediately thought that Andy is That's right around me. my age. <laughs> Right. Well, you're ruining my joke. <laughs> Which Sorry, I thought no, was pretty cool. <laughs> then I read a little further and it said English operatic tenor who has spent yes. most of his career with the Royal Opera in England. And it was at that moment that I realized that maybe so, there are two famous Andy Staples. In the world. Not to cut off your, your question. No, I'm almost done. I promise. Don't, no, no. Hold, let me hit pause. I, I'm going to hit the I'm going to hit the split button and, and we'll, we'll but. The the other Andy Staples have way more interesting jobs than me, which is crazy because I have a very interesting job. So there's the Andy Staples tenor. There's an Andy Staples bass player, like a session bass player who plays on like big albums and stuff. And then there's an Andy Staples golf course architect. I found so that I, guy. I literally have the fourth most interesting job of the Andy Staples is, and I have a very interesting job. <laughs> Uh, well, I, don't, I guess that means you're not going to start belting out La, La Traviata or anything? Not if you want anyone to listen to this podcast. All right. Well, I think we have the correct one for our show. Uh, your background's tremendous. First of all, you're our first national champion we've had on this show, a guest list that does include national runner-up Mike Golick Jr., but I'm not sure that Notre Dame actually showed up. <laughs> yeah, he actually got to play in that call. game. That's the difference between him and me. <laughs> details, Andy. Details. All right. I'll fast forward to my question about your work history. I know you were what you call a stringer for the Tampa Tribune, and I, mm -hmm. I lived there for 12 years, and I believe Stringer means like freelance journalist, so my, this question may suck, so I took all your time, and, and this question might suck, uh, but it is Tampa-specific. I'll ask it yep. anyway. Uh, we have our own resident pirate on the show, as you can see. Get it out, Casey! But uh, how many times have you attended Gasparilla when you were into in and around Tampa, and can you give me your craziest story if, you, if you've been there, and if you've never been, it's this weekend. Do you want to go? Uh, I I would love to go. Unfortunately, I have to go to the Senior Bowl, so I have to go to Mobile. Uh, Humble brag. I am very familiar with Gasparilla. It is the celebration of the Pirates who founded the city of Tampa. Uh, it is uh, it is celebrated in a way very similar to the way uh, Mardi Gras is celebrated in New Orleans. Um, there are floats. There are beads. Unfortunately, so when I was a stringer for the Tampa trip, that was actually only a three-month period in 2000 in the summer between my graduation from college and getting my first full-time job covering Tennessee for the Chattanooga Times Free Press. So no Gasparilla there. I did go back to the Tampa Tribune as a full-timer, though, and I worked there from 2002 to 2008. And unfortunately, though, never attended Gasparilla because I only lived in Tampa for two of those years. I was covering high schools. So when Gasparilla happened, which is you know late January, I was probably covering a high school basketball game in Newport, Richie, or Hudson. And then Dude, they moved me to Gainesville good. to cover Florida, and that was that. That's tremendous. Thank you for hanging <laughs> with me. Now, my wife and her sister went to Gasparilla one year. I, I this was this was pre smartphone, and they are That's very smart. grateful for that. From what I <laughs> <laughs> 
that's, that's how awesome. I feel being a Louisiana girl growing up at Mardi Gras. I'm very glad smartphones were a thing. <laughs> You're up, Joy. Hi, Joy. What do you have? Um, so, Andy, I am the person that always actually brings us back to football because Casey will always lead us down a rabbit trail, and I will always be the one that brings us back. So, so my former question- co-host, Ari. Yeah. So you're the me. Yeah. Um, wow, flattered for the comparison. I'm going to make that my Twitter bio. Anyways, um, my question for you is, we hear a lot right now with the transfer portal and, you know, especially, you know, the great dynasty of Alabama, everyone's acting like it's completely and totally falling apart due to the transfer portal. And we keep hearing the statement that the transfer portal is ruining college football. And you, MBG, every time you grab your cup, I can hear it. <laughs> Very, we're a professional operation here, Andy. That will not get edited out. I, can't, I, I, I don't know how to. Pure audio files here. Everybody's everybody's making sure that you, you don't hear a single gonk. So I'm sorry, I had to. It was like the second time it's happened. It was going to keep happening. <laughs> so back to my question. My question for you is: Do you feel like the transfer portal is actually ruining college football? Hell no, it's made it a lot more interesting. What, Thank you very like, much. Listen, everybody who says the transfer portal and NIL are ruining college football and they'll stop watching college football, they're a bunch of freaking liars. We see the numbers. Like, <laughs> we see the ratings. Who's watching the games? We see the numbers like when I was at the Athletic and now that I'm on three, I see the numbers on the stories. I see the numbers on the videos. You're very interested in it. Clearly, like it makes you guys want to engage in the sport. So, yeah, and and I think it actually creates a lot of hope where a lot of times there was no hope before. Some teams would be like, well, we sucked last season. We'll probably suck again next season. Now, almost everybody's like, hey, we got this quarterback in the portal. Now, never mind. He couldn't start at the old place. He's going to be the guy like, but it's great. Because it just gives everyone newfound hope. And I know people would rather guys stayed and, and didn't, you know, hop from school to school. But for the most part, it, it was interesting. I was reading Dennis Dodd's story. He did an interview with JT Daniels. And JT Daniels had a really interesting way of putting it. This is a guy who transferred, you know, to four different schools. Or well, transferred to three different schools. But uh, he he was talking about how there wasn't a situation for him or that he saw with teammates where it wasn't mutual, where it wasn't the player and the coach going, Hey, you know, it's probably better off if you just do something else or if I just do something else. And I just think people don't understand that. Like most people look at it as like, this person is leaving the football team that I would have given a, a limb to play for, but that's not how most players view it. Like you go through the recruiting process, you're not looking at it like, I mean, there, there are some people like Tim Tebow or, you know, people who have the luxury of being recruited by the school they always loved growing up. That's not the case for most people. Or in some cases, the school they always loved, they realize as a, as a blue chip recruit is not the best way for them to get to the NFL or the best place for them to be used in the way they should be used scheme wise. Like, so, they're all looking at it as a business. And I think that's hard for some fans to reconcile. Like they just can't because if it were them, they would never leave. They would always just, you know, that's all they ever wanted to do. But when you actually get in that situation, it's a very different deal. And when it's, and now I will say like, as somebody who went to a school that was not the school I grew up rooting for, like it was very easy to understand how it was a business and you saw all of that. And there were some true believers, but usually once the guys start playing, they understand the business aspect of it too. And so you just have to understand that the players and the coaches look at all this very differently than you do. And when you get over that and realize, okay, they don't, maybe they don't feel the same way about it because they're a lot closer to it. You think, okay, it's kind of cool that this guy, who maybe didn't have the best opportunity here, has a chance to do something different over here. And I love that for for most schools, it, it does give them hope. Like, and, and it's interesting because it. I was worried that certain schools, 
in this era, we're not going to be able to generate hope again. Like when you saw West Virginia get picked apart a couple years ago, I was like, oh my God, is this going to be every single year? Are they just going to become a feeder team? And then this year, they have a good season. Their collective is doing okay. And they start retaining these guys instead of losing them. And you're like, oh, okay. Maybe it's not going to plunge certain schools into just absolute hopelessness every year. But because we know for a lot of schools, especially like the SEC and the Big Ten schools, it doesn't matter where you are in the pecking order, except maybe if you're Vanderbilt. There is somebody you got or some group of people you got that is making you very excited about what's coming next. Like Kentucky is a good example. I don't think Kentucky fans were were particularly thrilled with the way last season went. They were they were very happy with the Louisville game, obviously, but now they're looking at we got Brock Vandegrift. Yeah. And Brock Vandegrift didn't start at Georgia, but that's just because he didn't have a chance. Because Carson Beck was starting. Now we got Brock Vandegrift. Now, now we're going to be awesome. That that's the thing now that I think you didn't have before. You had to hope that you signed somebody, and then maybe in two years they develop. There's a lot more instant gratification now thanks to the portal. Andy, LSU, I went I went to Clemson, and so I don't know what this portal thing that you speak of. <laughs> what is this, what is this transfer portal that can you, you speak? Can what you is this madness? <laughs> Clemson actually had four transfers on the team last year. I don't no, know. If, I, I don't know if you knew that. Yeah, it's a narrative that I I just joke about. But yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. I know about about them all. They don't really. They didn't play, play much, but. but they had them. <laughs> hey, we had Bear Bryant's grandson. There you go. That's right. All you need. All right, so Andy, I listened to the uh, Andy Staple story on HeyArtifact.com to prep for this. Ooh, That's some old advertiser. Back in your, uh, your high school recruitment and your career as a walk-on at Florida. The first, I wanted to congratulate you on your decision not to go to Duke. This would be a very <laughs> much more difficult discussion for me if you had gone there. So, you know, congrats well, on that. Well, I'd be buried in student loan debt, so I'm, I'm very happy with the way it worked out, too. <laughs> Uh, and then my second, uh, my question was, uh, who was the toughest or scariest player you had to go up against in practice when you were at Florida? I know you played with Reggie some McGrew players. Reggie oh, McGrew okay. was a first round defensive tackle, got picked by the 49ers. And uh, so I, I would play guard or center on scout team. And like I was 17 when I got there. No, Reggie, Reggie's not much older than me. Reggie's only like a year older than me, but he was so freaking good. And I always explain if people want to explain how I want to want to know how it felt like the you've seen the video uh, from the old freak shows and circuses of the guy getting hit the stomach with a cannonball. <laughs> I was that guy and Reggie was the cannonball. Like, that's what it felt like. And but there 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 are a bunch of guys that were like Ed Chester, who just criminal that, that he got hurt his senior. He was actually the first guy who ever cashed in on one of those insurance policies because of a, a career-ending injury, which sucked because Ed was so good. He was a D-tackle. And it, it's funny because – and this is where you learn, like, the guys who are truly special, the ones who go to the NFL and become great, like, it's not necessarily about how strong you are. It's about what you can do that nobody else can do. And Ed would have been a first-round draft pick had he not gotten hurt against LSU in 1998. The, I, I swear, I think the guy could have bent at the waist and put his helmet on the ground. Like he was that bendy as a as a six foot four, two hundred eighty five, two hundred ninety pound D tackle, and he was so quick and so flexible that you could you would like if you were doing one on one pass pro against him, you could pass set, and you didn't even know he had moved and he was under you. <laughs> like <laughs> all these other guys. Because I'm uh, this little scrum, I was only like 240 pounds. They just run right through me. Ed would contort his body, and it was like I was never even there. And <laughs> it was incredible. <laughs> like you've never seen anything like it. So, but it, it it was it was something. And Javon Kirsch was on that team. Like I always tell people, the first day I walked into practice, uh, my first practice, he's standing there off to the side after I walk through the gates. And he's got his shirt off, and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I'm in the Does wrong practice. Because like right? <laughs> if so, I'm leaving. I'm not going to stay here. But he was like, when my freshman year, he was still playing linebacker. And so it was a little bit different experience. Like 
when you when you hit when you're an offensive lineman blocking a linebacker, you got a running start, like you got a better shot at it. But it was like hitting a brick wall, hitting him. So like I thank God I was I was already moved on to the student newspaper by the time he got moved down to edge rush <laughs> choice because that choice. been just embarrassing <laughs> yeah. it's a good business decision how's yeah. your foot by the way i, I heard that same interview <laughs> oh, that's talking right. about how you got stopped on but yes so mo collins r.i.p uh mo was the the left tackle the starting left tackle on that team or actually i'm sorry pillar is that pillar was starting left tackle it was mo was starting right tackle um or maybe I'm mixing that up, but but Mo got suspended, or I believe he got a suit from an agent, something stupid, and he was suspended for a few games, and he had to play scout team next to me, which was more punishment than anything. That was the biggest punishment <laughs> Mo had because I was in his way constantly. Because this is an elite athlete who is going to go on and play in the NFL, and he's got to deal with me, and so. One time I was moving too slow and probably going the wrong way. And Mo accidentally steps on my foot. Now, Mo is 320 pounds. It hurt like hell. But <laughs> it's one of those things. You're a freshman. You're a walk-on. You don't complain. You don't say anything. You don't do anything. I was like, I'm going to keep on playing. So <laughs> just, you know practiced and, and didn't never never stop practicing never did anything different i think i went to the trainer once and asked for something and they gave me like a little ortho orthotic to put in there and um but i never i never said could i get an x-ray or anything like that because i didn't want i didn't think i figured my position was tenuous enough as it was <laughs> so uh but fast forward 20 years and i'm having a problem with my left foot and it's blown up to like two times its size and i go to a podiatrist and he, get, he takes an x-ray and he goes when'd you break your foot i'm like i never broke my foot he goes yes you did <laughs> <laughs> it shows me the x-ray and i'm like oh i can tell you exactly when that happened and it was when most stepped on my foot so my my foot healed wrong i had a bone spur and i had a tendon that was wrapped around the bone spur oh, yeah. and that was what was causing Yikes. the pain but but he's just looking at it like no you definitely broke your foot whether you believe it or not and i and you could see it on the x-ray i was like oh shoot Wow, that, there I it guess, is. Yes, I should have told somebody about that. <laughs> well, Andy, we got some message board posts to dig into, but before we do that, um, I was going to ask you what message boards you post on and what your uh, handle is. <laughs> I have never posted on a message board, unlike unlike former Defense Secretary Robert Gates. Uh, I have never actually posted on. That's not true. I, at on three, I have posted on message boards to say, "Hey." come watch this or I'm talking to your coach tomorrow. What should I ask him? But never, I am, I am a lurker purely rather than a poster. Um, but I have been a lurker for a long, long time. So back when I was at the student newspaper at Florida, so this is late nineties. That was a Gator country was the first Florida mm -hmm. fan site. It still exists. Um, but, they had a, a, a portion of the site called Swamp Gas. That was the message board. And yeah. some guy named Swampy seemed a little bit connected, a little plugged in. And uh -huh. so we who covered the program for the school paper would always check and see what Swampy had to say <laughs> pretty much every day. And so I learned very quickly that message boards are a very occasional source of good information and a constant source of entertainment. <laughs> Exactly. Was Swampy ever wrong? Swampy was was wrong occasionally. Yeah. Now, <laughs> not as wrong as some of the current Florida message board posters. And and you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna single out any one site, but I will say the ones at Gators Online far more accurate than than the ones elsewhere. Uh, but no, uh, Florida of of all the fan bases, I'm noticing because that's one thing having like the God password at on three, mm -hmm. where I can look at everybody's message boards, like they're. Mm -hmm. Message boards have very different personalities. Every site, the, the board has its own kind of personality. And the Florida ones, it feels to me like they try to wish things into existence <laughs> more than anybody else. Like they, they, there have been periods where they were convinced over the last month or two, this is the guy Billy Napier is hiring as the offensive coordinator. It's definitely this guy. Well, he hasn't hired one. He's probably not hiring one. But... <laughs> 
That's the guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, while we're talking about Florida message boards, we might as well stay here because there's one post I wanted to get to today from a Florida message board, which came after there was this uh, news of some allegations. Uh, mm-hmm. some allegations. The NCAA <laughs> investigation into Jason Rashada stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So there was this post. I want to see if you shared this guy's attitude. Okay. He, this is Cam T44. He says, hopefully we get the death penalty so all of our suffering can end. So I, I will say I live in Gainesville. I can tell you that a lot of Florida fans have reached this level of nihilism. Like they're there. And it's not that it's not necessarily like he's taking it to the the utter extreme. But I talked about this with Nick Delatori from Gators Online the other day. And I asked Nick the same question. Are they going to like, would they potentially, if they found anything, and I don't know if they're going to find anything that they can tie to anybody with this Jaden Rashada stuff. And I promise, I know how most of that happened. I just don't exactly know if anybody, the football office was dumb enough to get truly involved and leave a paper trail, (laughs) but let's say they were, (laughs) would they try to Jeremy Pruitt, Billy Napier, if this season goes badly? (laughs) And all the Tennessee fans are like, oh, oh I know what that means. Like, yeah. that means you use NCAA violations to fire the coach for free instead of paying the buyout, which is what Tennessee did with Pruitt, saving themselves a bunch of money, setting up the Josh Heupel era. I don't, I don't necessarily think that's going to happen at Florida. That doesn't strike me as something that, that Florida through the years would even think to do. But it is interesting because that, that, that sentiment is not – particularly unusual in that fan base right now. Like that's the extreme edge of it, but it's there. By the way, yeah. Jeremy Pruitt being a verb is just one more reason why college football is so awesome. Right. Well, and I love it because n- none of you guys even had to ask, what do you mean by that? No, nope. like, you're all like, yep, <laughs> sounds right. <laughs> well, that's when I started understanding is when you said, that. oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, could they Jeremy Prude him? Oh, yeah. <laughs> or they could Brian Harson him. That uh, would also be an option. Well, no, Brian Harson got paid. <laughs> oh, that's true. He did. Well, they could try to do it. Auburn tried to do it with Brian Harson. Yeah, they, 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 so a successful Brian Harsoning yes, or Jeremy Pruding. There you go. There you go. That's there you go. All right. So speaking of fan bases that are a little bit down, Alabama – now, poor Alabama fans. I mean, they don't have any money. They don't have any players. They don't have any coaches. I mean, and I think the as a country, we all kind of feel sorry for them, um, Alabama. Um, uh, so it, it's fairly entertaining. I think entertaining for for some of us to watch. But there was this post on Bama Online um, from a poster named Saban. That's country. one of ours, baby. Yeah, this is from Saban Country, of course. Um, so the title of his post was, you should be donating 10% of your salary pre-tax to Yay Alabama, which I believe is their collective. It is, yep. And he says, stop tithing if you need to until we dig our way out. We are in a crisis, all caps. Your church will be fine. If it's not, you can join another. Football is religion in Alabama, and it's time to prove it. Is Alabama this down this bad? <laughs> no, they're not. They have like 80 guys on their roster who are four and five star recruits. They're going to be just fine. But I do appreciate like because I think I think the message board denizens have become aware of you guys. And I think they know when they're putting up something that you're going to put. I think that's what this was. I you think this is this. This was tongue planted firmly in cheek. <laughs> But I appreciate it because it reminds me of that scene in The Simpsons where Reverend Lovejoy is sitting around the collection plate. He's like, that's the gross, not the net people, 10% off the top. (laughs) And I I, look, tell me where that poster is wrong. No, give me give me one, you know, one iota of incorrect information in that post. No, he's absolutely correct. The money is better spent uh, on Crimson Tide football, probably. Oh, my God. What's the bigger religion in Alabama? 
Right. But the one error is them saying they're in crisis because they're not. They right. aren't aware of what crisis to is. them they to are them though. In crisis, but this is not <laughs> right in the actual grand scheme of things. They're gonna be just fine. But this See, isn't like you grab a Missouri fan and and you're like, <laughs> evaluate this situation for us. You lost Caleb Downs and Caden Proctor, but you got Washington Center. You got mm-hmm. Kalen DeBoer's handpicked quarterback from Washington, and oh by the way. Uh, you're probably going to get the last unsigned five-star receiver in the in the 24 class. Like the the random Missouri fan you pulled off the street, would be like, "Well, that sounds kind of awesome. Sign me up for that." But an Alabama fan's like, "Oh my god, what the hell's going on?" <laughs> it's so funny that like normal reality for every other football fan in America is crisis for Alabama. Exactly. You're never going to find me filling. There ain't one out to me that feels bad for that school. Not one. I don't think anybody, I don't think any, anyone outside the fan base feels bad for them. And what's interesting is I think most Alabama fans are self-aware enough to understand that no one feels sorry for them. And they are, and they will be very quick to tell you, Hey, I, it's fine. Just make fun of us. We had our fun winning all of those national titles that you didn't. Yep. Even the yep. shared ones, <laughs> the claimed 1941, ones. Still on, still on the list. Got shut out by Mississippi State and Vanderbilt. Still getting claimed. MBG, did you see the uh, the perfect dad joke in the response to this one? The, the roll, roll tide live comment. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how I missed that one. I mean, it was <laughs> roll right tide is a t-shirt, by the way. Right. Oh, is it a t-shirt? Yeah. Yeah. There absolutely. you go. <laughs> Well, no need to fret because we do have a new Alabama uh, on the horizon. Um, and there was a post on the Ohio State board. This is on a 247 board, but uh, on Bucknets. Um, they're pretty fired up about what they've done this offseason. It was kind of a 180. They were down in the dumps after that loss to Michigan, and now all of a sudden they're back. So this was from a post. There's two posts here, one from a guy named Galena Buck, Galena Bucknet. I guess I shouldn't say it's a guy. Maybe it's a gal. Um, And he says, no lecture intended. However, I've been on these boards for a lot of years where the vitriol was intense towards Saban and Bama for their tactics to dominate in bold letters college football, which they undeniably did for obvious reasons, declared or otherwise. With NIL, Ohio State has dropped the gauntlet to declare we are now the power in the game. Brinks trucks, prestige, coaching. (laughs) The players are coming to Columbus like they know something the rest of us don't. Many of us have, many of us have seen runs in recruiting. None of us have seen anything like this. Championships are not guaranteed, but both in coaching and recruiting, Ohio State is playing an elite game to win. And his buddy follows this up and he says, I've been saying that since we essentially beat Georgia, the dynasty has started until, <laughs> until proven otherwise the Big Ten and the national championship goes through Ohio State. So I think the follow-up is completely sarcastic, but the the initial post is completely earnest, which is the You're funny You're giving part. these guys too much credit, I think. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I'm telling you right now, the essentially beat Georgia is a tell. Like, because they've lost to Michigan since then, you have to you have to That's extrapolate. True. Like, you're right, you're they, right. the worst thing that can happen to you is losing to Michigan if you're there. Yeah, I would just like to point out that you just used extrapolate when trying to explain something to Casey, and he's he's having to grab a dictionary as we speak. Yeah. <laughs> That's well, it is. But a lot of it, it's true. I, I I'm convinced that that's that that follow up is 100 sarcastic. But the the initial post, the op, the original post is. 100% earnest. And that makes me laugh more than anything. What what if I told you that there was a coach whose three best players all wound up in NCAA trouble? Would you say that coach was dirty? I would say that. Okay. Because you know I'm talking about Jim Tressel, right? Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maurice Claret, Troy Smith. Pryor. Terrell Pryor, probably not yeah. his three best players, but you you know what I mean. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, I, I'm not calling Jim Tressel dirty. I'm just saying this is what Ohio State people think Alabama, Auburn, Georgia do. And I'm not going to disabuse them of that notion, but you guys are doing the same stuff. 
Always. <laughs> yep. It's, or, or, and this is, this is what I've always said as someone who grew up in SEC country. When I really want to enrage a Big Ten fan, maybe you're just bad at it, and they're just good at it, and that's why you got caught so many times. That's what so, Joy says all the time. All right? the time. It's not that you're cheating every every single week. Maybe, <laughs> Cheat better. Maybe if you were better at it. <laughs> right, right. Issues. This is the first time I've ever done this. I swear. Yes. Well, obviously, because it's like when 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 Chip Kelly was was paying Will Lyles with a check. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get him. We'll get it over on them. We'll pay him with a check. <laughs> I mean, Ohio State's almost SEC ready because one thing that was left about is that almost. All these SEC teams, they all accuse each other of cheating. It's a, it's hilarious that they're all That's pointing the, the finger. That's the only thing that you can compare them with the SEC right now, MBG. That's it. Uh, no. Ohio State is an SEC school. Yeah. They just don't know it. Like They don't act like it. They don't carry themselves like they it. They do act like it. They don't I carry don't themselves. Like, name another Big Ten school that's national title or you failed. Like Michigan fans are really happy they won the national title, but – they were like, well, hopefully we get to go to the Rose Bowl. Like, they've never been like that. They're like, we we got to beat Ohio State and maybe we get to go to the Rose Bowl. Like, that's what that's their idea of heaven. Like, Ohio State fans have always been, we need to win the national title or fire everyone. Well, you know what that is? That's an Auburn fan. That's a Tennessee <laughs> fan. That's an Alabama fan. That's an LSU fan. That's a Florida fan. That they're the same people. <laughs> It's more endearing when the SEC schools do it for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> it's the accent. <laughs> that might be it, actually. I think you forgot right. South Carolina in there. Yeah. Oh, I, trust me. I grew up a South Carolina fan. Uh, that that fan base did not develop that attitude until Steve Spurrier won 11 games uh, three years in a row, which I say this as someone who was on Steve Spurrier's national championship team at Florida. He did a better job at South Carolina than he did at Florida, and that is saying something. <laughs> Well, we'll stay in the SEC and finish it off with a post from an Auburn board. And this is a post. Well, Auburn fans are funny. I'm just funny. This, in general. this is the best. I saw this when you yeah. posted it. I love this post. Yeah, it, me too. It, it's, it's a hilarious post. It encapsulates the SEC fan base. Uh, it's funny. Um, and it's about our friend Lane Kiffin. Um, Auburn fan Victor F. says that Lane Kiffin is a poor fisherman. And here's his explanation for that. His dainty hands and queasy stomach won't allow him to bait his own tackle. His small bone structure and weak wrist won't allow him to reel a fish in. His urine stream is so, is so weak and feminine that he can't pee over the side of a John boat without making a mess. He lacks the stomach, wrist strength, and coordination to gut his own fish. Lane... If you'd like to make, take me fishing and prove otherwise, I might could clear my schedule. I've got a lot of broads myself. Got <laughs> a boy, so, Victor. <laughs> so Victor is clearly. I this is. I, I had to look up the name of this book because I never read it because it came out four years after I got married. But the book was called The Game because oh, yeah. I, I had a friend who read it when it was when it was popular, and it was it was about how to it was how to be a pickup artist essentially. Uh-huh. Yep. And there's a there's a, a term in there called negging, and it's like you you issue backhanded compliments or you you or just straight up insults, and it is a form of flirting, I guess that that is supposed to work. I don't know. Again, I was already <laughs> married for four years, <laughs> haven't been on have been on a first date since 2000, so I have no <laughs> idea what's going on here. But but that's what this is. It's. Yeah. You're you're too lily livered to bait your own hook. Which, by the way, if you're gonna hit him with, you can't clean your own fish. Well, obviously, if you can't bait your own hook, you can't clean your own fish. <laughs> Cleaning a fish is a, a far more disgusting process than than baiting a hook. Like, you got to be able to bait your hook first before you before you pull you know pull on the gill and you know slide that fillet knife in there. So, I just think. You know, there's a lot of lot of negging going on here, and then 
oh, by the way, I've seen the pictures of you deep, deep sea fishing. Please take me with you. Yeah. <laughs> do you think do you think Lane's a better fisherman than Jim McElwain? <laughs> <laughs> I saw that barstool video. They say it's not him. That guy who but says it was him sure it looks like yeah. it was. It was. He was the one. So, because obviously Jim McElwain could reel in a fish. I, I we don't know strong that. Hands. strong <laughs> hands. They said it was a New York cop, and again, the New York cop looked like that guy. So, <laughs> but but I, I it is uh yeah I the Lane thing's interesting to me because Lane Lane appears to be living his best life. Like he's either deep sea fishing or going to Bucky's on the way to visit a recruit. And I saw that. It, it, the it's what's funny is the the difference between Lane on Twitter and Lane in real life is so striking and jarring and like he plays such a character on Twitter and it's perfect but he's mm-hmm. kind of a you know introverted football really? nerd in real life like it's not it's not the same guy interesting <laughs> on a serious note was Lane uh, ever considered for the Alabama job I don't think so I I think it was uh, I think DeBoer was ID'd pretty early Probably there's a courtesy call to Sark, and he's like, no, now that Nick Saban's gone, I'm pretty good where I am. Yeah. And with Norvell, he's getting $10 million a year now. We don't know if he was ever offered the job. It could be that he was one that they were considering or vetting, but they were going to offer it to DeBoer all along. We, we'll never know what the real pecking order was, but I, th- I think those are the ones that were in there. And you know, maybe you make the th- throwaway call to Kirby and be like, you sure? <laughs> yeah sure okay thanks um but but i don't i don't think so and I, I think i don't think people understand that lane is in a really perfect spot for lane at ole miss the level of control you get at ole miss is different than most other places like i don't think you're gonna get that in most other sec schools or or big 10 schools or anywhere like that so and and now he's getting paid almost the same as every as every top coach in the SEC or the Big Ten. Like, why leave? I mean, right now you've got a roster that should make the twelve team playoff. Like you're they're they're going to go into the twenty four season expected to make the twelve team playoff. So I don't think that Alabama is necessarily the right job for him. I think Ole Miss might be the perfect job for him. And you know, I I would imagine if Alabama had had called he'd be very he'd have been very interested but i think he's in the right spot right now does he have to win there i mean and win i mean does getting him in the 12 team playoff suffice their fans right now but if you do it a couple times then you then you got to advance then you got to that's that's just how it all that's how it works everywhere even kentucky fans are starting to get a little little snippy with mark stoops yeah like Mark Stoops has the best job in the world. They'll pay you like $9 million a year and you win eight games and they're usually pretty cool with that. Like you win eight games at most SEC schools that that would pay you that much and they're firing you. So that's, yeah, Ole Miss like any other school. Like I just mentioned South Carolina, how their fans suddenly raise their expectation level. They go 100 years without winning a bowl game. Steve Tannehill finally brings one to him in the CarQuest Bowl against West Virginia. I was in the stands, um, but <laughs> but then all of a sudden they have some success under Spurrier, and it's like, oh, we beat Clemson every year now. We win double digit games every year now. That's just expected. No, it is not. That is highly unusual based on your history. So don't get used to it. But that but that it's it's human nature. Like if Ole Miss wins eleven games again this year, and they win eleven games next year, then everybody. In that fan base is going to think, "Yep, got it. That's that's what we do every year now." It's really hard to do, based on the history, but yeah. So I I think you just you kind of have to expect that. And and honestly, with the way some of these guys are getting paid now, especially in the SEC, where you've seen them get these raises to keep them from going somewhere else, like they almost have to. Uh, the, it, it becomes a self fulfilling prophecy that if they don't deliver something major that the school's never seen before that the fans will eventually turn on them. But Ole Miss is very, very early in the love affair. Like Kentucky's further along. 
Speaking of love affairs, this is a total one-off question, but how long, how much longer does Billy Napier last at Florida? Well, I mean, I would assume he starts this season on the hottest of hot seats and the, the schedule is brutal. Yeah, so schedule's tough. I think that's that's the the thing that the fan base is pretty apathetic. Like if if you have another losing season, how much are you then losing in terms of donations and ticket sales and that sort of thing? Uh, because the fans are just no longer excited about the product. They just apathy is worse than anger. Like anger is fine because it means everybody still cares. When you bleed into apathy, that's when when you have a bigger problem. That's not Florida. That's everybody. Like Florida State was a good example of this. So when Willie Taggart was there, I remember I did a story for the Athletic where I did the math on how much they stood to lose in season ticket sales if they kept him another year versus paying what was then a really expensive buyout. I want to say it was like 17 or $18 million. And when you did the math, it was like, it's kind of a wash. Like you could fire him, you could keep him, but if you fire him and at least if the people are excited about the guy you hire, then maybe you get some donations. Exactly. Well, Andy, appreciate you joining us. Yeah, uh, man, this fun. is awesome. It was fun having oh, my, you. My pleasure. You you guys provide endless entertainment for me. So, <laughs> well, that's good to I hear. You read every message board. <laughs> no, you can't. No, nope, neither can I, unfortunately. You want to tell everybody where they can find you? Yep, on Three Sports YouTube page. You go to on three Read, watch there. Um, we also run the shows on my on my Twitter feed at Andy underscore Staples. Uh, Andy underscore staples on Instagram. I don't know that I'm that interesting on Instagram, but I'm working on it. <laughs> we'll be in judge of that. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I really appreciate it, Andy. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, us. man. Thank you so My much. pleasure, guys. Thank, thank you very you. much, man. Thanks. All right. That'll do it for this week's episode, the MBG Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. You can check out more content at messageboardgeniuses.com. And we'll see you next time, losers. Oh,